0: Hi, I'm Leslie Carrara Rudolph. I'm Lolly Lardpop, and I'm Abby Kid Abby! And you're listening to Side by Saturday Night with the Dome.
1: Side by
0: Saturday. Side by Saturday. We will begin an advanced invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Now, time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. confess, and as we review your witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message you your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. From the Guantanamo Guacamole All-You-Can-Eat Buffet Room and Alien Event Flash Mob Facility on Sub-Level 9, Deep in Area 51. Hello and welcome to TalkCast 314, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying cola-flavored donuts, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the Gang of Five, in the Acton Tardis resurfacing plant, technical anarchist, button-pusher-to-the-stars, keyboard-clacking-girl-genius, Kriana.
2: Don't
0: wear it out? <coughs> awesome. Okay. At some point, also joining us from her personal space in the Dank Dungeon's industrial card catalog unfolding and desalinization plant, friend to robots all along the East Coast, Zombrarian will be joining us when she gets back, whenever that is.
2: With my murder uh, burger.
0: Oh, you're getting murder burgers tonight. Yeah. I think those are great. I know. Returning from a three-week retraining at the West Rutherford Karmic Con, a festival of karma inspired by Bruce Springsteen, a man who asked me just the other day, why does popcorn smell? Our Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes shiny stuff, awake by Java.
1: I'm just going to breathe heavy into the mic.
0: Okay, you've been doing that all night anyway, so nothing new there. Oh, baby.
2: <laughs>
0: oh,
2: oh, oh. Ser- <laughs> Seriously, oh baby yeah.
0: <laughs> Our guest tonight is one of our favorite guests in the whole wide world Incredible actor, incredible human being And just all around incredibly nice guy, Doug Jones Doug, welcome to the show
1: Oh, well thank you for having me And thank you for that introduction that I could never live up to thank- <laughs> Very <laughs> sweet of you
0: You don't have to live up to it because... You know, uh, the times we've had you on the show and the times that we've met you in person, you, you've been a gracious gentleman and, and welcoming and, and so kind and nice to us. Uh, we can't ever thank you enough. So we brought you back again for more.
1: Yeah, very kind of you. I'm always <laughs> happy to jabber with you guys.
0: Uh, you're the best. Last time we saw you was in person at Rhode Island Comic Con, where you were actually shoved in a room with the rest of the main cast from Hellboy for nice. a day. <laughs> How was that? That was an interesting event.
1: It it great. was indeed. Yeah. I uh, um well it was it was the first time that Ron Perlman and Selma Blair and I had all been together since we were doing all the promotions for Hellboy Two back in two thousand eight. So, wow! yeah, so that was that was great to, to, you know, eight years later or well, seven and a half years later, uh be with them again and in and, uh, and get photo ops and, and be able to hug on each other. So um we keep in touch via, you know, texting and, and uh, um, social media and all that. But it's it's different when you're all in the same room. It's more magical.
0: It was very magical. And, I mean, the lines were just incredible just to get in to see the three of you together. And then on Sunday, the lines were even longer when everybody else was gone. And it was just you.
1: Well, I don't want to boast. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I, I, uh, I do. You know, whenever a line forms at a table of mine at a convention, it's the most humbling experience for me to think that there's people um, who find something I've done on film or on television uh, to be, you know, interesting enough to want to meet me. And uh, and and everyone comes with their own story, their own reactions, uh, th- their own their own stories of how how something I was in inspired them or entertained them or whatever. Uh, I hear a lot of first date stories. Uh, I, I love it when when I'm, I'm meeting a married couple, and they're holding a baby in their arms, and they'll say like, "Yep, yeah, uh, the night we saw Hellboy was the night this one was uh, conceived, <laughs> or whatever." You know? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I hear lots of people's lives. I, I, it's it's so so fun to to see the the crossover from you know when you make an, a piece of entertainment and to see how it affects people's real lives. It's it's really cool.
0: It was interesting for me because we, we've we gotten together live, I think, twice. And you've been on the show. This is your fifth appearance.
1: Is this my fifth time with you guys?
0: It is. It is. How cool is that?
1: I, wow, I lost count big time then. I had no idea.
2: I think I think he's our most recurring guest ever.
1: I believe. So. Yes. Well, then, then to all your listeners, I say, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, but you have, to, you have to say, I know.
1: I know. <laughs> no, because that's, that's what, how we
2: how we well actually. So, we used to always end the show with an I know. We still do sometimes, but now I alternate between I know and "Good goodnight everybody and Catwoman's that was perfect.
1: Ah, right.
2: They're all pretty good.
1: Pretty good. Pretty good.
0: The interesting thing that I saw uh when I was literally standing in line waiting to talk to yeah. you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh was that I felt really special because you looked down and you saw my logo on my hat and you went, ah, and you pointed. And I went, he remembers. <laughs>
1: yeah. But
0: then I, what I also realized was you spent a considerable amount of time with everybody in that line, talking to them, learning something about why they were there, and you know letting them talk to you. Which, you know, sometimes with photo ops like that, it's like, hi, I've got 50. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we've all seen that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you just spent such an amazing amount of time with every single person there, giving them the chance to feel as if there was an exchange there, which, in fact, there actually was.
1: Oh, uh, yo, thank you. Uh, and I, I my, my only regret at, at a convention like that is, is that, I, uh, is, is that there is a line of people behind the one I'm with. Because I, I do kind of like to focus on, on someone who's right in front of me. And, and um, you know, it, it, uh, it's all about them in, the, in, those, in those few minutes we have together. I, I love that. I love that, that part. Uh, you know, and, and uh, anyone who wants to come find me at a place like that and, and get an autograph on something or get a, a picture taken with me, uh, those are the people who helped me buy my house, so I, I don't want to you know, really, right? So I, yeah, uh, so I, I I owe them that hug, and I I want to hug on them genuinely. Now
0: without without getting into specifics, you made a very nice phone video for someone for me, and afterwards we were talking about it a little bit this, uh, in the in the pre-show, and you said it's really nice to hear that. You know, the person who it was intended for, what their reaction was. Because <laughs> you never get to hear that.
1: That's right. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I, I, it happens a lot, especially in the convention setting where. You know, um, oh, hey Doug, I can't afford an autograph, but my my fifteen year old son's birthday is tomorrow, and and he's a huge fan of you as the Silver Surfer, and you, know, you would sure mean the world to him if you just like if I could just run a quick a few seconds of video of you saying happy birthday to him. You know that happens a lot all the time, and I and I love doing it, and and uh, but then they walk away, and I'll never hear the follow up to that. I'll never hear how it how it went down. So uh, yeah, so it was really nice to hear. To hear the, uh, the, the back end of, of, of your story, that it was a success and we, we were able to surprise someone. And, and you were definitely
0: day, able to surprise my wife with that one. Absolutely. Here's right. my point. To any of our listeners listening to this, if you've ever had that with, with Mr. Jones where you've met him at an event, he's done something for you for somebody else or whatever, go to his website, drop him an email, and tell him if, how special it was. Mm. Because it's important for you to know how special you make this event for other people. I really think so.
1: Oh well, thank you. It's very kind of you. Um, now uh, about my website, thethedugjonesexperience uh, dot com uh, hasn't been up. Uh, my my webmaster uh, uh, had to take some time off. It's been a couple of years now, so it has not been updated or, or, or maintained. Uh, best way to, to find me in, in public venues now uh, uh, on the on the internet. Uh, is, uh, is through the social media. If you can find um, the verified badges, the blue verified badges on either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Tumblr, I'm all over the place. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, and I, I do my best to check all the messages that come in all those portals.
0: But that, I think, I think you know, you, you put yourself out for your fans in, in such a wonderful way. And and it's nice to get that feedback every once in a while.
1: Yeah, it is. Thank you, thank you.
0: And in my case, having at one point had seven different DVDs of Hocus Pocus for no apparent reason,
1: other than every time. Wait, wait, let's back up for a second. (laughs) Seven? Why? Why why would one own seven copies of the show? Can Can you verify that?
2: Because someone has a flea market problem.
1: And every time she
0: sees a copy of any movie that you're in, she buys it. Oh, I didn't mean just her. No, it's not. No, this one is hers. This is on hers. I bought one. She bought six. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> hmm.
2: Or was What's it
0: half it? and half? Just so. No, no, I have copies of All copies. right.
2: If you it's don't funny. want to admit it, I'm not
0: going to no, make you. No, no, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> 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 oh, well, that's very, very kind and sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: So, Doug, we were originally going to talk about a movie that was supposed to be coming out called Bye Bye Man, which was supposed to be coming out next month. Right. But at the last minute, the producers and powers that be pushed it all the way back to December.
2: Where do we direct yeah.
1: our hate mail? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> <I> no. <know. laughs> well, you know, uh, originally when we were filming, uh, we, this is the Bye Bye Man. We filmed up in in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, last fall. I was there from, I was there from the end of October until the middle of December. And uh, uh, during the filming, our distribution company picked up that picked up the movie. Uh, our, gave us a release date of October 14th. Which seemed like, okay, October, right before Halloween, scary movie. It seems like the right time. All the scary movies tend to come out then. Um, Yay! <laughs> uh, so, so October 14th was the date that we had in our mind. And and then they did some test screenings um, with uh, test audiences and, and got some feedback and fo- did the focus group thing. And it was it was testing very well to the point where they were thinking, oh – well, maybe, maybe instead of competing with other scary movies, let's put it out in the summer uh, when people are when when horror fans are hungry for for scary movies in the midst of all the big event summer movies, like the big superhero films and the action movies. let's let's give them a, 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 a taste of horror uh, that with a good one that could actually compete with summer movies. so they they gave us a June third release date. So that, that was when we were. We, that's why we were to we plan this show for now, so I could talk all about it and promote the movie. Yay! And, <laughs> and just just days ago, yeah. Uh, they, and, and in the meantime, too, I did. Um, we had a, like about almost a week of pickup shots, like additional photography, where they some of the test audiences wanted wanted some clarification on some backstory of this or that. So they went back and 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 filmed some more footage. They could that they could plop into the movie to make more sense of a cur- certain couple of scenes. And uh, I was involved in in one of those scenes. So I came back and, and talked to the production crew then, our producers and all. and that, and they were still looking at June 3rd. But with those additional scenes now, they went ahead and did another test focus group audience thing. And after that, big news is they've moved it now to December 9th, which I, no way ho ha. Now December 9th, what comes out in December? Those are Christmas and,
0: movies. What's going on
1: there? <laughs> I, 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 right, either Christmas movies or uh, all those artsy movies that are that are Oscar contenders tend to come out in December, yep. right? Yep. Yep. So that they're fresh in the mind of all the voters that uh, that would have, that, when the awards come uh, in February. So uh, holy so, crap!
2: That's why that happens.
1: So exactly that's why that's wow. why a lot of wow I didn't your,
2: understand that.
1: Sure, sure. So. Uh, uh, well, you know, when Pan's Labyrinth came out in theaters in 2006, it was December. Right. And it, just, it was just in limited release, and then in January of '07 is when it went wide release. But they got it in. They got it in some official theaters just in time to be considered for Oscars, and it worked with six nominations. So, um, yeah. So that's. So now we're looking at a December 9th release for The Bye Bye Man. So it's like, wait. So it was going to go up against other horror films first. Then it was going to go up against summer blockbuster movies, and now it's going up against, um, you know, Oscar the artsy wow. Oscar contenders. So it's like, wow, we have run the <laughs> gamut here with the Bye Bye Man. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm curious and and it tickled to see um, where all this confidence comes from with our distributor because it, it, the movie must be good enough if they think it can hold up to all this, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah.
1: in in the Bye Bye Man, I played the title character of the bye-bye man
0: well of course you
1: do (laughs) of course and so if you've seen any any uh pictures or uh there's a poster a preliminary poster that's already out uh that would be me on it i'm i'm the hooded uh character that um that kind of haunts the mind of a of a particular college kid who uh goes i make him go a little kooky (laughs) And uh, so I, I don't. I don't have a knife in my own hand. I don't kill anybody myself. But I sure do puppeteer everything else that goes wrong in the movie.
0: And it, it's weird because is this like a totally independent movie? Because
1: well, it was made. Uh, uh, the production company behind it was Intrepid Films. They're they're a great, very reputable uh, company that makes a lot of a lot of uh, mainstream darker movies. And uh, and our distributor is STX, uh, and they've they've they're they're a big big distribution company that has a lot of like mainstream. We're going to be in cinemas in you know, like two thousand theaters across the country, so it's it'll be a wide release.
0: Perfect. And I mean, you know, it's not like there aren't any names in there. Faye Dunaway's in there. Carrie Ann Moss is in there.
1: Right. Right. Uh, I mean. <laughs> And the, gotcha. the college kid, the, the lead college kid, is played by an actor named Douglas Smith. And Douglas Smith was—he was the younger Cyclops in uh, the Percy Jackson uh, movie. Uh, oh, cool! The um, and we have—I'm um, going to get these names wrong. Cressida Bonas is the the love interest girl. Uh, now she ha- she's rather new to the feature film world, but she's rather rather known around the world as Prince Harry's girlfriend. Uh, I think there she's an ex now, but but they they were uh, they were quite a thing for a while, and she was in the press just a lot when during her days with prince harry um, and she's a delight an absolute delight to work with and i she she uh, i hope I hope that people can see her for the actress that she is and, and let let that that press hubbub from her former life be a thing of the past and let let her let her uh, like flourish as an artist because she's really quite good um, and uh, uh, and I'm going to forget his last name now, curses. Uh, but then the third young person that rounds out the college kid team is uh, Lucien, uh, Lu- his last name. Le Viscount. Uh, what did I say again? Le Viscount. That's it. Uh, so he's, um, and he's. Just, uh, he, he, they're all all these kids are beautiful and and well versed at at their craft and and um, they really they really create a, a and our our director was Stacy Title uh, a woman and and which was really refreshing to have a woman's point of view on a horror film uh, there there are very few women directors out there especially in the feature film film world and this is only in the in, as features go this is only my third time I've ever, ever been directed by a woman in thirty years so I was thankful wow. to to have her um take the reins of this she's got a great sense for w- working with actors and um she's kind of known for if if you remember an indie film that was kind of a dark comedy called The Last Supper um it was about a a, a bunch of young like hipster people who lived in a house together and oh. they, they invited people over one at a time for dinner that they knew they would have political or religious differences with. They got into an argument over dinner, and then they would they would poison their food, and and yeah. so the backyard started getting filled up with dead bodies. Right, it was <laughs> hilarious and disturbing all at the same time. So that was Stacy's that was Stacy's calling card from from way back, uh, and it got a lot of critical acclaim. And I think she's going to get more acclaim for the Bye Bye Man now. Cause it's a completely different genre, and uh, it'll be. It'll be a, a a new signature for her, of course.
2: Now, just just a question because I'm not entirely familiar with this, but it looks like it almost is inspired by Slenderman.
1: Kind of has that feeling, yes, because he um, he show he uh, I show up and I'm quiet. Uh, I'm I don't I didn't have any verbal dialogue in the film. Uh, I know I possibly could if the if it goes into a franchise and, and if you all go buy your tickets and make it a success. And we get to come back and keep doing more Bye Bye Man movies. Um, and I think that he'll hear his voice and his and more of his backstory uh, as, as sequels <coughs> unfold. But um, for now, in this first film, uh, it's that disturbing, quiet character that kind of shows up. Uh, the whole, the whole uh, slogan on the poster is, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it. The Bye Bye Man. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> not,
2: yeah, and, and not, not creepy at all.
1: No, not, not at all. Right. So, if you, so basically, if you say my name, then that that gives birth to me again, and I and I'm I'm unleashed to come back. Um, so uh, the the uh, Douglas Smith character who who finds uh, he finds a piece of furniture in the basement of the house these kids are renting at college. They, they're all roommates together, and he's just he sees in the bottom of the drawer this etched somebody had scratched in there with a knife. Don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't, think it, don't say it. Defy my man. And so he reads it out loud, and dun, 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 I'm unleashed. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the basic thing. Is, and he finds out that if, you, if anyone else hears the name, then now they're, they're going to be uh, subjected to my psychological torment as well. Uh, so, so the, the object, the, now the game that's on now is, can we get rid of everybody who's ever heard his name so that so that he can so that we can obliterate the bye bye man so he doesn't harm people in the future. So uh, so that's that's the the t- the tightrope they're walking is you know do you kill your best friend because he knows the bye bye man's name or do you try to work through it? So uh, oh, you kill him. <laughs> you, just, you just
2: kill it. No, I I gotta say it's gotta be a credit to you as an actor that knowing you for as long as we have and talking to you as many times as we have now. I can still find you utterly terrifying.
1: Oh, thank you, my friend. <laughs> that. Huge compliment.
0: Please do. Because uh, you're scaring the crap out of me, too. <laughs> That's like, why.
2: I mean, not like right now, but damn.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but okay. you mentioned something uh, in talking about this getting pushed around, and, and that is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. And, and you're just... You did some work uh for the 10-year anniversary dvd for the reissue of pan's labyrinth
1: yes uh uh there's there's a company called uh, called criterion uh they put out the criterion collection which is like they kind of do a re-release of of movies that were critically acclaimed and uh so the criterion collection is doing a re-release of pan's labyrinth for our 10th anniversary this year and i just today uh did my sit-down interview for the um, for the DVD bonus features, and I can't wait for this. It's uh, it's really oh, what a way to celebrate! Um, you know, when, when a movie had a, has a, such a lasting effect and a shelf life like *Pan's Labyrinth* does, it's great to get together and and, and talk about it and and uh, to boast about you know how proud we are of that movie. because we all are, and um, you know, and and w- doing the convention circuit. That's that's one movie that comes up again and again. You know, when people mention different titles that I've been in, I get different reactions. You know, um, a lot of a lot of young people grew up with Hocus Pocus, and they oh, I just love, and that's more of a happy like oh, those are my childhood memories. I watch that every year at Halloween, right. Mm mm-hmm. Know that? <laughs> right. That's so fun for me. Uh, the Hellboy movies are like, dude, that was so funny. Like, dude, that's so ex- the action's great. And when you sang Barry Manilow with with Ron Perlman and was you, you're best. drinking your beers, that was my favorite scene ever. So I love that reaction too. A uh, Silver Surfer, I get like, dude, you really rocked the Surfer. That's exactly how I pictured him in the comic book. So you really, think good mm-hmm. on you. So I love hearing that as well. Pan's Labyrinth is the movie that I get, oh, that movie changed my life. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. So, so uh, the power that movie has um, in, in helping people in, get empowered to tackle the demons in their own life. And to it, and we all feel like an underdog at some point with an authority figure over us that may not be getting it right that day. And healthy rebellion in that situation is, is what's encouraged with the Pan's Labyrinth movie. By watching Little Ophelia, you know reclaim her, her 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 choice making for herself when her stepfather was just the true monster of the movie. So, um, so with all that, uh, it, that's the movie that seems to be the one that has such lasting emotional effect, and for that reason, it's become my favorite thing I've ever done.
2: I mean, I t- you can't describe it in one word. It's just it stays with you.
1: Uh, well, thank you. M-
2: more than at like any other movie, like I don't really have emotional reactions to movies ever. Movies, have, <laughs> especially lately, movies have just become really dull to me. You know, Joss Whedon isn't working on the Avengers and whatnot anymore, so I could care less. And <laughs> let let's face it, even when he was, I was only kind of half invested
0: because it was Joss.
2: Well, you know, they just they just have no soul. And it's just this, like, um, set-crunching CGI fest. Sure, sure. And there's, there's nothing below that surface, but right. Pan's Labyrinth is, at the same time, wonderful and terrible and beautiful and horrifying, all at the same right. time, and you can't not feel something about that.
1: Right. Okay, right. so, Criana, how
0: many times did you watch the movie? Twice. Which
2: Java, is one more than I've ever watches. watched any other movie. That's
1: <laughs> true. <laughs> how many Java. times have I watched Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, not quite a dozen. I I introduce it to people for yeah. people to it. yeah. Like, I, like I'll say, okay, you have to watch this, and they're like, oh, okay. And then I'll say, no, you don't understand. You haven't seen this, so we're gonna sit down and watch it right, right now. Right now, yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. i
2: I've, I've actually. That was the second time I watched it. I did that as well. Um, Maybe actually, maybe a few more times than that. I'm not sure exactly. But, like, the thing that it is, is it's like, it makes you feel something, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's trying to make you feel something like many other-
1: Right, Award-nominated right. Award
2: nominated movies. I'm thinking The King's Speech right now. Like, barf, gag, kill me now. Yeah, the actors <laughs> probably did a good job. Do I ever want to watch that film? No! Will I die happy not watching it? Absolutely. Like, you yeah. know, did my wife enjoy it very much? I think so. And that's great for her. But this one was just so. I don't know. I don't even know.
0: It's difficult to find a single word that describes it, but when did you know that Pan's Labyrinth was something special?
1: Mm, When I read the script for the very first time. I just knew. I closed the last page of it, wiped tears away, and said to myself, I have to be in this movie. (laughs) Right?
0: And, and clearly, that doesn't happen very often.
1: No, that does not happen very often. In fact, uh, a lot of the scripts I get are are are, uh, are more of a typical horror film. I uh, I get um, well, you know, when you're known as a tall, skinny guy who wears lots of crazy makeups, um, <laughs> a lot of people get ideas to to put me in a movie like oh. We're a bunch of half-naked teenagers running around the woods uh, on a camping trip, uh, smoking pot and having sex. And, oh, no, here comes Doug Jones to kill all of us one at a time. Right. <laughs> That's the script I get more often, uh, which, which you know, it's very cliché and kind of bores me now. But um, Unless
2: it was uh, a sequel to Cabin in the Woods, in which case. <laughs> <Awesome. okay. laughs>
1: right. See, we all have our favorites, of course. Uh, but... But uh, the Labyrinth was just a. I'd read. I'd read one of those of those scripts I just described uh, two days before I got the Pan's Labyrinth script. So I had. I had this night and day reaction of like, eh, now this. This is a script, you know. And knowing that Guillermo del Toro was going to be directing it as well, he wrote. The, he wrote the script and. Right. Also, I knew it was we were just in such perfect good hands. And you yeah. were
2: perfect, yeah. and he was perfect, and like that doesn't happen every day.
1: Well, bless you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, from your lips to God's ears. I, I <laughs> we can continue that.
2: Well, it's it's the goddamn truth.
1: That's for
0: sure. And I mean, seriously, if that's the movie that when they say Doug Jones pans labyrinth, you mm. know that's 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 something. My mm-hmm. wife is
2: texting me from the other room. Two things. First of all, that Jeffrey Rush was amazing in the King's Speech.
1: <laughs>
2: Fair <laughs> enough. He may have been. That's okay. I respect and I love that.
1: I love that she's texting you from the other room. <laughs> know, How hard could it be?
2: She could join the call. I could, sure, I could add her sure. into the call. Um, but um, she she also when we said that Pan's Labyrinth was amazing said in all capital letters that we preach. Okay, she's preach, still baby. she's Come on still now. eating and does not feel like joining us quite yet but perhaps a bit later on.
1: Well, tell her that there are pictures in the chat.
2: <laughs> I I I, <laughs> I already sent her the pictures of a certain okay. someone. Yes, I did.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, now speaking of Guillermo del Toro as well, um, I of course you know my my most recent release with him was Crimson Peak. Um, mm-hmm. I was two of the ghost ladies in that. Um, <laughs> if you saw Crimson Peak, I was the mother ghost in the black veiled dress uh, at the near the beginning. And also the bathtub ghost, once the ghosts all turn red at, um, at the Crimson Peak Mansion in England. Um, and uh, so so that, that was another uh, wonderful time working with him. It had been, it had been a while. Um, and I'm also, uh, he executive produces The Strain on the FX channel. And uh, they're coming back for season three. It'll be airing this summer again, as it has the last two years. Um and I'm, I'm my recurring character of the leader of the ancients is, uh, I'll be back. I'll be back in episode one, four, and nine, eight. One, four, and eight. You know, this.
2: every time that this show comes up, I'm like, why haven't I watched this yet? And then I, see I was it,
1: just about to say that. The and same then I see thing. the
2: cover photo and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like,
1: that's, that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a very disturbing and grotesque take on vampires. It's not not uh, there's nothing romantic or sexy about them. Um, uh, it's more more like the Blade uh, Blade Two, which also directed by Guillermo del Toro, by the way, um, where you know instead of having f- pretty fangs and, and biting necks seductively. Uh, you know, the, their bottom jaw opens up and a stinger comes flying out. It's, like, it's, it's just yep. That still
2: kind of sounds awesome, though. I, I need to oh, just it,
1: bite no, the is.
2: bullet and get over the eyeball thing and just like
1: sure. watch it. Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, the yeah and that's gonna... where you'll be better than me with that one because that's never happened. And then
2: me. I'm gonna be like, "Dome, it's so good.
0: Uh, you gotta
1: watch uh, this, and eventually, okay." <laughs> I believe that, uh, that the overall plan for The Strain is to go five seasons. And so season three, you know, airing this summer will, will, will put us at the halfway point and then some. So, uh, so you'll be able to binge watch, you know, soon enough. Oh, oh okay.
2: So, so no Netflix for me yet,
1: eh?
2: <laughs> Not
0: quite yet. Fair enough. So, and then there's this new film, Nosferatu.
1: Oh yeah! Speaking of vampires, right? Yes,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. The vampire. Uh,
1: Now this this one, of course, uh, does have fangs, but they're more like a buck tooth arrangement. And he's not sexy or pretty like the sparkly ones from Twilight or like Dracula. Yeah. Uh, What? Yeah. Nosferatu. The the magic of the old Nosferatu silent film was that he was just a hideous beast that. uh, that that had some kind of allure, and he was a force of nature that could, um, you know, he was an aristocrat, a, a count, of course. Count Orlok is 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 my name, or is his name, and and uh, so he he comes with an uh, aristocratic background, and and uh, has I don't think he understands how hideous he's become over the the decades and centuries that he's been alive, so. Uh, so that's why I, I loved, I was always drawn to that, That of all the vampire tales, Nosferatu was the one that really, was the one I wanted to climb into before I died. It was on my bucket list to play uh, Count Orlok, the Nosferatu character that Max Schreck uh, initiated in, in the silent film. And um, so we got the chance to do that. Um, I'm so excited about this. And I, I don't know, we don't have a release date because we don't have a distributor yet. Um, uh, it was filmed independently. But with such quality and care, um, the uh, the director David Lee Fisher, um, he um, he and I have have teamed up before this uh, on the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, which was also another silent film. Yes, nineteen nineteen <laughs> German Expressionism, and and it's it's kind of like a must see for film students. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was uh, way ahead of its time for in style and and in in um, you and know, our in students
2: any any. Right. Any one of the genre should have right, seen of it, course. and if you, you haven't, have stop, pause this podcast, yeah. and go find yeah. it.
0: Just go. make yeah. that happen.
1: We, you, will you can wait. find you, well, you can find the original cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Uh, I think it's on the YouTube for free. It is yeah. probably yeah. yes, and we, right, we will wait. and and you can also find our our talky version of it also on YouTube in its entirety for free now. Oh, uh, fantastic! So that's the cabinet, Doctor Caligari, two thousand and five. I think it's that's how you do your search. No excuses, um,
2: listeners. Right.
1: And wh- what was fun about our our version is that we it wasn't a remake. He didn't try to reimagine it and, and add new storytelling elements. Uh, he stuck absolutely to the original story, and he wrote a script and made it a talkie. So it's a it's it's got dialogue and sound. But it's very, very true, and keeping with the original silent film. You know, in a silent film, you're watching, you're watching people converse back and forth for minutes, and they put up a dialogue card that says, "Yes, mother," and you're like, "Wait, wait, they, I, we missed a lot there, right?" So uh, the dialogue that David Lee Fisher w- writes uh, really fleshes out that original story, so that it, it gives you. Uh, an audible read on on all that's been said in the silent film. So it's really a way to clear up the original story instead of rewriting it, it's it's clearing it up. So uh, uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari remake that we did was quite successful. And we also, uh, uh, he films it in the silent film style. So um, we were all in black and white and we were filmed on green screen and then he plopped us into backdrops from the original movie that he created digitally off the original film. Uh, so it's instead of calling it a remake, he calls them a remix. So uh, that's what we're doing with Nosferatu as well. We were all filmed on green screen. We had props and set pieces in the foreground, but uh, but the original film is in every frame of the movie, some somehow, somewhere. Even if it's even if it's the view out the window, it'll be uh, from the original film. So we that were all dressed. In, yeah, period so clothing. Cool. Oh my gosh, this is going to be gorgeous. And I also had the pleasure of working with. Um, and all the cast was so good in Nosferatu, but, uh, my, my, the object of my desire, uh, the young lady who plays Ellen in the movie, uh, is my dear friend, Sarah Carter, who was a series regular on Falling Skies with me.
0: Oh, how cool. She,
1: she played Maggie on the show. So it was great to reconnect with her. And I actually, I had a conversation with our director before, before she was cast saying, what do you think about Sarah Carter? My, my co-star from Falling Skies. And he, he looked her up and was like, oh my gosh. Perfect. And I Tim
0: Russ about. from Star Trek was in that as well, wasn't he?
1: Tim Russ was in the cabin of Doctor Caligari. Yes. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Right. And can I ask
0: that. a question about Falling Skies? Yes. Uh, how much fun was that? Seriously.
1: <laughs> uh, so way. Um, no, it's it was a gritty show because it was uh, in that very popular post apocalyptic genre that's right? just everywhere now. Um, so aliens have taken over. For the listeners who don't know uh, the storyline, aliens have taken over Earth, and there's a human faction that's fighting back. A lot of humanity's been obliterated and wiped out, but uh, but the the human faction that is that is gathered together and is fighting back uh, is led by Noah Wiley from ER, and he was a gracious gracious lead of a show. I loved working with him.
2: Wait 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 wait
1: no, Noah Wiley. Yeah. Yeah, the librarian. <laughs> A librarian. a librarian, correct. <gasps> I love that. All is good. Yeah. So he—he he was the—he was kind of the, <laughs> the leader of the human resistance, and uh, I was introduced in the show in season three. Um, I, uh, my my ship lands at the end, at, as a cliffhanger at the end of season two, and I step off the ship, roll the credits, right? Like dun dun dun. There's a new alien race that just landed. What? And as it turns out, when season three opens, then it, you realize that I'm I'm here to help. Um, I'm the most human-looking alien in the entire show, and my race, the Volm, are um, uh, are here to help, and we're uh, we're here to help fight back the bad aliens that we have a history with. They they pick over our planet the same way many years ago, and we are have been following them th- through the universe and trying to defend other planets from their reign. And we want to obliterate the Ashveni, the bad aliens, once and for all so we can all live peacefully in the universe together after all so uh so i I had quite an arc over the three seasons i i I was in in season three four and five and i finished up the show we ended in season five uh, last summer and um, so that's binge watchable now you can watch all five seasons and it's only it's only 52 episodes um so uh so it's it's an easy binge watch we only we had very short summer seasons every year um so it's it's a really it's a good watch. it's it's great fun and it really is about the human spirit. And if we were if we were brought to to the edge of of our existence, if we if if we if were facing the end on a daily basis, it, it it poses the question how would I behave in that circumstance? Now uh, what where would I find my strength? and uh, these these humans really, uh, my character Cochise – Having observed these humans for three years on the show, uh, he, he, my, uh, one of my favorite quotes I ever said was, was in a moment when, uh, when uh, Tom Mason, played by Noah Wiley, was, uh, was, was encouraging me to stay alive in a moment that I almost died. And I, I looked at him and I said, And the human spirit remains the most powerful weapon on this planet great line, a great line for the writers came up with, and that was kind of the crux of the entire show for me, about the human spirit being our most powerful weapon, and I, I, we, we need to re- be responsible using it.
0: As as a fan, for me, and not not just as a fan of that show, and not just as a fan of science fiction, but as a fan of Doug Jones, this, this to me was a great vehicle for you because you got to talk.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And
0: I mean, you know, seriously, I mean there there is a degree of difficulty in the rubber mask and emoting beyond the rubber mask and making that work. And so very few people do that well. But then to act outside of it as well and, and bring the vocal aspect to it was just freaking incredible.
1: No, well, thank you. Yeah, that was that was the most as far as rubber makeups and that transform me into an otherworldly being. My character of Koichi on Falling Skies was probably the most stand and talk character I've ever played in that, you know, with, with a mask on. Uh, it was very 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 television like. Uh, you know, there was a lot of action to the show for sure, but uh, but like a lot of TV does uh, to fill the time and on, on a on a tighter budget. There's a lot of standing and talking about the action that just happened or will happen. So uh, my character had a lot of information. I gave a lot of exposition, a lot of explanation of what was going on. So yeah, talk talk a lot. I did. I, every time you saw me on, on Falling Skies, I, I had paragraphs of of intricate dialogue with technical terms in it and proper grammar. And he was he was a very smart being, and so that was a uh, that was a quite a challenge for me, and a, and, a, and a, one I loved. A one I want I truly loved. It was a lot to fun it.
0: to watch. Absolutely a lot of fun to watch. So what else is going... I mean, we've covered a lot of movies and a lot of TV already. What else is going on?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, uh, in the world of web series, which I love doing when I have time, (coughs) I'm... uh, 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 Season 2 of a very funny show called Inside the Extras Studio. Of course, you've heard of Inside the Actors Studio, which is an interview show with James Lipton, and he interviews lots of famous actors in front of a a very esteemed class at the uh, in New York. Uh, But so this this web series is Barry Bostwick is playing the James Lipton sort of character, and he interviews background extras from movies and TV shows. It's it's ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous premise. And I was on season one last year, um, uh, just I did one episode where I was on the show mistakenly, not realizing that it was a show about extras. But, and, and Barry Bostwick did this great introduction of, you know, this is Doug Jones, and uh, he's one of the, one of the finest background actors ever. Uh, in fact, you he's so good, you've never seen his face. Now that's what I call good acting. Good background acting, all right. So it's like, and I, so I, I had to go. Hey, hey, I've never, no, I've never done extra work. What, are, what, are, I, uh, all those movies you mentioned about me are, are, I'm the title character in most of them. So he said, "Oh, is that right, Doug? Well, how come we've never seen your face?" And I said, well, <laughs> "Well, no, because I'm in a lot of makeups. Ah, likely story. So we, it was, it was really just great fun. Great, we laughed a lot making that. So uh, they're, they're coming back for season two of Inside the Extras Studio." And I'm not sure when that's going to start uh, showing up on the YouTube and the hee-haw and the hoo hoo. But uh, that'll be. Uh, but I, th- this time, I come back and and I'm in a zombie makeup because I finally listened to uh, the host of the show and I, I kind of took to heart what he said last time. And I thought I'd give this background acting thing a shot. So I ended up in a zombie show and I fell in love with being a zombie. And now I, all I want to do is zombie work. And I, I I think I might even be becoming one. So, oh, it's a ridiculous premise. Love it. Um, I also got to do a, a, a show called uh, Adopted, uh, about a young couple in their 20s that wanted to adopt a baby from, from uh, Africa. And they ended up, the adoption agency uh, got them a baby from South Africa. Uh, and, they, and he was just under, he was still a teen. Well, you know, what ended up happening, they ended up adopting a 17-year-old. Uh, who, a, a white, a white seventeen-year-old, and, and who's just barely younger than these kids are. Uh, so the the, yeah, the married couple. So I on that show I recur as um, I did about three episodes of Adopted uh, as as the husband's um, dad. So I, I, I'm a little bit crazy, a little bit out of touch, a little little fuddy duddy, and, and but funnily so. So I had a great great time working on Adopted. If you want to look that one up, it's not out yet either, uh, but will be soon. And I also uh, had fun recently doing a a Scooby-Doo spoof uh, through the Nerdist channel. Uh, The Nerdist folks got together and made a Scooby-Doo spoof called Scooby-Don't. And um, in that, I played the villain who was unmasked. You know, there's always a villain unmasked who would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. (laughs) Of course, that's the role you played.
2: I feel Uh, like you were typecast a little there.
1: Well, sure. The guy, guy yeah, it was—it was a big fish mask, which was rather hilarious. So this this little little webisode opens up with them already having solved the crime, and they have me tied up to a chair, and they unmask me, take the fish mask off, and it's like, oh, and there I was, and I say, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. And one of the Scooby-Doo team wasn't paying attention; she was on her cell phone. So uh, she looks up and says, "Oh yeah, let's unmask him and see who it is." And she grabs my real face because I've already been unmasked, and, and rips my fa- my flesh off. And so she now she's holding my skin dangling in her from her fingernails, going ah ah ah, and then I start screaming and we all scream. And so the rest of the episode is them trying to figure out ways to get my face back on me with duct tape, <laughs> staplers, whatever, right? And uh, and it's just a, a, it was hilarious. And I think the only place you can see this is uh, is on the Go 90 app. Uh, so the Nerdist was trying something new. I, I, I don't know if, I don't know what their connection with Go 90 is, uh, but and I don't know the apps very well. But um, but I know that if you download the Go 90 app, you can search the Scooby Don't th- from there.
0: You know, it's 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 a shame that someone as talented as you isn't more busy.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. I'd, all I need is a nap right now, to be honest with you. I could <laughs> just sleep. Java? Kriana? Anything?
2: More squeeing? That's all I have.
1: Uh, More squeeing. No, I, I, I mean, I don't have anything.
2: You can also find <laughs> Scooby-Doo apparently on, yep, there it is, on uh, Facebook.
0: Oh, okay. Really? How cool. It yeah. I,
2: just, I <laughs> It looks really funny. I'm going to watch it now. Wait. Here's the link for everyone.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say put put the link on the page. Thank you.
2: I am excellent at googling things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: excellent well thank you love thank you for looking that up I didn't know I didn't know it was available on Facebook yet
2: (laughs) yeah Team Nerdist presents Scooby-Doo more videos by Nerdist I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff yep they apparently have it up on their Facebook page so everyone may enjoy it free of apps or you know you can you can waste a lot of time on the nerdist Facebook page, I feel like. No, you can't. I've, I've, I've done
1: more productions with Nerdist than I than I can even count, and I love them. I love them dearly. And <laughs> start with the I did the podcast with Chris Hardwick uh, a few couple years ago and laughed, laughed. We laughed our asses off for an hour. So good good fun.
0: Well, Doug, here's here's the deal. You need to come back when Bye Bye Man comes out you need to come back when Nosferatu you need to come back when the strain comes back for the summer run Um, this could be the Doug show Yeah, this could be very easily the Uh Doug Jones Uh hour (laughs) because that's what we've done today it's been another hour normally we waste our time today we didn't it's been an hour with Doug Jones Doug thank you man thank you so much
1: well, thank you guys so much for having me again. It always feels like I'm coming home when I talk to Sci-Fi Saturday Night.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: coming up in the next
0: couple of weeks. Uh, next week, uh, Janice Amonoff and Susan Jane Bigelow come to talk about kick-starting their books and what they went through. The week after, Dan Keane comes in to discuss his horror writings and his friend, Daniel Gunn. Week after that, Mike Mitchell of Zombie Sub 920 comes in to talk about UFO sightings in Exeter and the flight of Freedom, she- uh, Freedom Seven with Adam Allen yeah, we'll A- <laughs> Shepard. Yeah, Adam
2: Shepard Dome. Adam Shepard, Alan's younger brother, lesser hey, known.
0: <laughs> and on May sit on June sixth, Crazy Man Gary Summers comes back to talk about Northeast. Uh,
2: June fourth, Dome.
0: June 4th. What did I say? June you 6th?
2: Jackie, too, so. We're just gonna oh. call it go look at
0: the website. Do the episode. Go look anyway. at the website. <laughs> Sci-fi Saturday night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic-Con, Booksandbooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit comicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Our intro music production was provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations on robwattsonline.com Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry Check out their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com By the way, their new album kicks ass I want to thank Doug Jones I'm sorry, it kicks ass
2: Okay,
0: we can shout out to Joe Big shout out to Joe Thank you, my love I want to thank our guest, the amazing, the eloquent the gentleman, Doug Jones for joining us tonight
2: I mean, literally one of the gentlemen.
0: Literally one of the, the gentlemen. Right? you go back to Buffy time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank our cast tonight for uh, being cast-like from the act-in-action Time Warp, sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies.
2: Not actually in a cast. Would like to keep it that way. Back you showed up!
0: <laughs> <laughs> back from the shadows and into the cat and crunch once again. Thank you, Java.
1: I'm just going to Breathe heavily into the microphone again.
0: And congratulations, my friend. This is dome saying. Terry and Jeannie shared pain, is lessened. Shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.